All right, all right. All right. Well, I'm Michael Flake, one of the pastors here. Great to be together as a church family. Whether you're cautious about Jesus, curious about Jesus, or committed to Jesus, there's room for you here. This is a safe place to learn, grow, and to change. So long as you don't have it all together, you'll fit right in. The round reminds us we're all active participants as we stay on this journey together. We're all here to receive something this morning. We also all have something to give. So as we soak in the grace and truth of God's love, we can also spread that love by serving others. Great to be reminded this morning uh, of our church has a number of mission partnerships. Every year it is our our aim to give away 10% of our general budget to uh, mission partnerships. That doesn't include staff salaries or whatever, just give it away out the door. Charlotte Rescue Mission is one of the ways that we do that year in and year out. And so I would encourage you not only to bring the supplies, those tools in God's hands to, to help people as they turn their lives around, but also, as TJ said, to think about a way you could be more life on life with, with folks uh, who are either part of the men's program, the women's program. We also do a New Year's Eve event uh, with the folks at Charlotte Rescue Mission. So think about signing up for one of those and t- take a step, take a, take a step. Today we want to continue in our series of sermons on the subject of prayer. Prayer, we've looked at different uh, facets of prayer, taken different angles on prayer. Today we want to look at one of Jesus' uh, most well-known teachings on prayer. And it begins this way, this is what Katie read for us earlier. And when you pray, this is Jesus' teaching, and when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Now, some of you may be thinking, Michael, had you ever read that verse before today? Some of your prayers get, you know, a little bit long. You should have heard my prayers before I had read that verse. Jesus is not necessarily critiquing long prayers, but He is going after the idea that it's not that if your prayers get over a certain word count, God listens to them more. God loves to hear from His children, so short prayers can be as effective as long prayers. The the important piece is to pray. Now, the other thing I think He's pointing out is that there's more to prayer than just getting out our requests. And the reason for that is God already knows what we need. So if God already knows what we need, there has to be something more to prayer than just the asking part. What is it? Well, then Jesus pivots, and He teaches His disciples a really succinct way to pray. It's often called the Lord's Prayer. Now, it's important to note, He says, this is how you should pray. He doesn't say this is exactly what you have to pray, but this is how you should pray. So, the Lord's Prayer is a very beautiful prayer. It's a prayer that I like to pray sometimes, but it is mostly meant as a model of prayer. It, it, it is supposed to guide how you and I pray. So sometimes we may decide to pray the Lord's Prayer if it's something we know or have memorized, but it doesn't mean you have to pray it or you always have to pray it. It's most, I think, predominantly meant to be a model of how to pray. And this is sort of my point for today, that if you're a follower of Jesus or if you ever become a follower of Jesus, 
Prayer is one of the most important parts of our relationship with God. Prayer is one of the most important ways that we grow closer to God in that relationship. But this is, I believe, prayer's dirty little secret. Most of us have no idea how to pray. Our prayers often sound something like this. Dear God, um, it's me. Um, I guess that's all. Amen. Now, if you're not a great prayer, you don't need to feel bad about that. Do you know why Jesus had to teach his first disciples how to pray? Because they didn't know how to do it either. And so they came to him and said, teach us how to pray. And he responded to them by teaching them what we now call the Lord's Prayer. So what I hope to do today is, is to be just very practical. Just as we try to be very practical on how to serve with the rescue mission, very practical with prayer. I want to pass along to you two resources to try to help you grow in the actual practical how-to of prayer. Jesus taught this in verse 5. He said, when you pray, do not, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on street corners to be seen by others. So here Jesus is critiquing some religious people, some religious leaders of his day who want to make a spectacle out of prayer. Jesus' point is don't make a spectacle out of prayer. You can pray anytime, anywhere. And he especially encourages us to pray in times when it's just us and our Father who is in heaven to not make a spectacle out of prayer. So you can pray in this gym, you can pray outside, you can pray at your house, you can pray in bed, though I would encourage you to sit up when you do that. You can pray in a bus, you can pray in your car, and you don't have to close your eyes in any of this. You can just pray. In fact, if you are driving a car, please do not close your eyes to pray, unless it's one of those self-driving cars. And then, by all means, close your eyes, get down on your knees, whatever you want to do. But not to make a spectacle of prayer, but to pray a long prayer or a short prayer, an elegant prayer, or what I call a microwave prayer. It ain't pretty, but it's fast. All kinds of different prayers. Jesus is inviting us to just start praying. No matter how rough those prayers are going to be, just start praying. Start where you are. And as you mature in your faith, you might find that your prayers begin to mature, but you don't have to be mature to start. Just start where you are. So two resources for how you and I can grow in the actual practical how-to of prayer. The first is a book. It's a book that was recommended actually by Matt Glass, of all people. It's called Every Moment Holy. Every moment holy, new liturgies for daily life. Every moment holy. This is a resource that would help you with a more liturgical or scripted style of prayer. It it contains prayers for all kinds of situations. And you could pray the prayers or you could base your prayer off of the prayer in this book. And there are expected things like prayers before certain meals or prayers for a certain time of the day, but then there's a lot of unexpected prayers. Prayers like uh, pray, a prayer with morning coffee, a prayer when feeling homesick, a prayer before serving others, a prayer when eating alone, a prayer after having a nightmare or fearing failure, a prayer when setting up a Christmas tree. Did we decide before or after Thanksgiving? After? 
Excellent. I have a two-year-old. We don't set up a Christmas tree right now. It would be thrown at her six-month sister. We do very small trees way out of her reach. But a prayer before changing a diaper, a prayer at the death of a dream, a prayer before consuming media, a prayer after finishing a book, a prayer before doing laundry, a prayer when experiencing road rage, probably because the person in front of you is praying with their eyes closed while they drive. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray continually, pray continually, which means in part, pray in the midst of any and every circumstance. This was one of Holly's big points with Hannah last week. Pray from the highest of highs, pray from the lowest of lows, talk to God, listen to God in the midst of whatever you're going through. Let God keep transforming you in whatever situation, highest of highs, lowest of lows, most mundane of most mundane. Pray continually. So I pass that resource along to you as sort of an actual practical how to pray continually. The other resource, and this is going to take me to the end of our time, at least for the sermon, is I'd like to give you a practical model of prayer based on the Lord's Prayer. Now, this model is an acrostic. Achoo! I'm slightly allergic to acrostics. You know, like when the letters stand and they spell out a word and they each stand for something? But, but they're really great for remembering stuff. Um, uh, I've had multiple people with advanced degrees come up to me after this sermon and go, acrostics is how I got through grad school. So it's really helpful for remembering stuff. And in this one, prayer, how do I pray? So I picked out the word, get ready now, pray. And each letter is going to stand for something based on the Lord's prayer. So the acrostic is pray. So even if you have a terrible uh, life event, you can't remember anything, I think you can remember the acrostic is the word pray. So P is praise, R is repent, A is ask, Y is yield. Praise, repent, ask, yield. It spells pray. I'm going to walk through each of those four things now. P, praise, honor God for who He is and what He has done. Because how does the Lord's Prayer begin? It begins, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. It begins with praising God, praising God for who He is and what He's done, that God is distinguished, that God is set apart from all that we know and all that we experience. I don't know about you, but sometimes in prayer, I usually go right for the asking part. Like, dear God, I really need to win the lottery. I'll definitely give 10% to the church, maybe even more if it's a really big jackpot. Amen. But remember what Jesus is trying to show us. There's more to prayer than just the asking part. There's more to prayer than just the asking part. And so the Lord's Prayer begins with praise, praising God. Psalm 100 says this in verse 4, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. This would be an interesting way to think about prayer, that in prayer, you and I are walking into God's heavenly palace. We are passing through His courts. Ultimately, we are walking into God's heavenly throne room, the very place where creation was created. 
Now, let's suppose this afternoon you decide, I want to go to the Oval Office and, uh, and meet with the president. I got something I need to tell him. Okay, how long of a process would that be for you to be approved to go into the Oval Office and speak to the president? How many months or years would you have to commit? How much paperwork would you have to fill out? How many background checks would be performed for that meeting? And yet, in prayer, you and I walk into the throne room of the Creator of all that is, both what is seen and what is unseen. And Psalm 100 says, when you enter in, do it with thanksgiving. Do it with praise. Don't go straight to the ask, but reflect on God's character. Reflect on God's redemptive work. That God is for you, not against you. That God is always with you and through the ups and downs of life. Find a way or something for which you can say thank you. Why can you and I just walk right in in prayer, walk right into the throne room of all creation? Well, the answer is because of Jesus, because of the death and the resurrection of Jesus. There are moments when I am praying, when I start to think, there's no reason I should be in here. There's no reason I'm unworthy to be sitting here talking to my Creator and the Creator of everything. And in those moments, you and I have to look and check our credentials. How did I get in here in the first place? The truth is, if you're a Christian, if you follow Jesus, or if you ever come to follow Jesus, He hands you His credentials and says, walk right in. They'll treat you like they'd treat me. So in the moments when you and I feel unworthy to be in front of our Father who is in heaven, to be un- we're unworthy of talking to our Creator, just look down at the credentials. They ain't your credentials. It's not about whether you are or are not or feel or don't feel worthy. It's that Jesus is worthy, and by your faith, He's handed you His credentials. Does this make sense? So that's praise. Begin with praise. Enter His courts with thanksgiving, or yeah, that, the verse. Okay, R, repent. I've done this three times now. I get tongue-tied at the end of the third time. R is Repent. Seek forgiveness and renewal for sin and shortcoming. R is repent. Seek forgiveness and renewal for sin and shortcoming. Forgiveness, I'm sorry, renewal by your grace, I desire to be different. Romans 12, 2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In Psalm 51, David prays, God created me a clean heart. 1 John 1 says that if you and I will confess our sins, that God is faithful, God is just, God will forgive us our sins. In the Lord's Prayer, Jesus prays, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive our trespasses as we forgive the people who've trespassed against us. So in the same way that you and I, people sin against us, you and I sin against God. We do things that miss God's mark. We rebel against God and what God wants for the world and how we act and how we treat people and how we treat God. We fall short. 
So when we come into prayer, we start by praising God, praising who God is. We also need to acknowledge our own failures, that we don't come to prayer from a position of strength. We come into prayer in a position of humility, that we need to echo the words of David, create in me a clean heart. You and I benefit from naming the places where we need God to renew us. Even if, we, even if the only person we can talk to openly about this is God, at least that's some, somebody. We benefit from stating the places where we need God to renew us, to renew our hearts, to renew our mind, to mold and remold our character, to become more like His character. In prayer, God sometimes changes our situations, but in prayer, God very often changes us. God is more concerned with our character than with our comfort. And so part of setting up prayer this way in the Lord's Prayer, I believe, is to, is to kind of compare God and God's set-apartness with our fallen shortness and to ask God to make us more like Jesus in the ways that we've fallen short. So that's P, that's R, the stage is set, we've done praise, we've done repent, now we go to ask, they said emphatically, ask, A, ask, present your request to God. A lot of us are pretty good at this part, present your request to God. Hebrews 4.16, let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So you and I may feel pretty good at the asking part, but it's interesting the verse says, approach God's throne of grace with confidence. So there may still be growing we need to do even in the asking part of prayer, with confidence. God already knows what we need, but it's still good to ask. It's still good to state what we think we most need, what we need God to provide for us out of His grace and out of His mercy. There are multiple asks in the Lord's Prayer. For instance, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. That's a request. Or give us today our daily bread. That's a request. It also is a request that makes me think differently about what I ask for in prayer. Because it's interesting, Jesus does not say, give me today all the bread I'll ever need. And I won't have to ask you for it ever again. And over time, I'll start to convince myself I earned it anyway, and I've never needed you in the first place. That's not the Lord's Prayer. <laughs> give us today our daily bread. So that makes me think differently about some of the things I ask for in prayer. Like I could ask, like, God, make me a more patient person. I'm tired of yelling at my kid for throwing the Christmas tree at the other one. So make me a more patient person. But maybe the stronger request based on the Lord's Prayer would be, God, help me to be patient with the person I'm about to deal with. Do you see the change there? Or instead of saying, God, make me a more generous person, maybe the prayer is, God, help me to be generous with the money you've given me this month. Or God, help me to be generous with the time you've given me this month. So take these really big things, but keep narrowing them down to very specific, time-specific, short-term things. So God, help me to be loving towards that person today. 
or God, help me to stay sober today, or help me to stay sober this hour. Break it down, break it down to something specific and time-boxed. God, help me stay awake during Michael's sermon today. And it's okay to pray for miracles like that. Like, it really is okay. So that's ask. Praise, repent, ask. And this finally gets us to the last one. Yield. Yield. Acknowledge the primary importance of God's work and God's will. Acknowledge the primary importance of God's work and God's will. As Jesus prays, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Yielding is the moment in prayer where we have to ask, am I more concerned about my kingdom or God's kingdom? Do I want what I want or what God wants more? Am I more concerned about my will or God's will? This is why Jesus encourages us to pray, God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So once you and I have asked for what we want, once we have poured out our heart to God in prayer and been honest, God, as best I know, here are the specific ways I need your grace and mercy in my life. We also have to decide who to trust to bring the best resolution to our prayer request. Can we trust that person into God's hand? Can we truly trust that situation into God's hands? Can we truly trust that part of our character or trust that outcome or trust that area of our life into God's hands? Now, with most things I pray about, you may feel the same way, with most things I pray about, both me and God have a part to play in the answer. The question is, who's going to be in the driver's seat and who's going to be in the passenger seat? Is God the genie that I summons to do my will, my bidding, or is God the king who also loves to listen, who loves to hear from his children? These are some of the questions we have to wrestle with in prayer. It's heart work, it's mind work, it's soul work. It's not just asking for stuff. So let me make sure you got it. We'll go through it one more time. The first word is praise. The second word, repent. The third word, ask. Fourth, achoo. Very good. We made it through. Pray. Praise, repent, ask, yield. So it may feel a little um, wooden to kind of go through and be like, okay, I'm doing the P part of my prayer now, and I'm doing the R part of my prayer. But I'll tell you some very mature uh, Christian folks who are pretty put together in their faith tell me they still, they learned one of these when they were younger in their faith, and they still use it. Because it's just helpful. And, and, and God doesn't care that you brought a cheat sheet into the prayer. He wrote the cheat sheet. He came up with the Lord's Prayer. So you can, you can use that to the extent it's helpful for you. Praise, repent, ask, yield. The last thing I want to reflect on is that line that Jesus says, so that we may see God's kingdom come and God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Heaven is coming to earth. In fact, through Jesus Christ, heaven has already come to earth. Christians believe that Jesus is God, God wrapped up in human flesh, fully God and fully human, that God came to earth. 
We spend a lot of time fascinated by the fact that humans might one day inhabit Mars, and I find that interesting too. But there's something even more interesting happening in our midst, which is that heaven is inhabiting earth. That Jesus is the moment of breakthrough, that the holy God breathed this air, that the holy God walked on this dirt that heaven wept in His crucifixion and heaven rejoiced in His resurrection. God's kingdom is breaking through. God's kingdom is establishing a colony on earth. Sometimes churches can get real fixated on you getting to heaven, and I think that's important. But we also need to remember, and heaven is coming to earth. That there is, Jesus is bringing together a family of people to be the outpost of heaven on earth. The outpost that can say how sacrificial God's love is. The outpost that can show how sacrificial God's love is. There's always room in God's family for one more person. There's always room in God's family for you to follow Jesus, to be reconciled to God in Jesus' name to not live life with your credentials, but with Jesus' credentials, to let Jesus mold you into the person God's always wanted you to be. The prayer says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I often find our relationship with God begins in the moment we personalize those words. Your kingdom come, your will be done in my life. I am yielding control of my life. I am unbuckling the seatbelt, moving over to the passenger seat, so now I can pray with my eyes closed, and I'm going to let you, God, Jesus Christ, in the driver's seat. Yield. So here's my reflection. Pastor Gray is going to come lead us in a time of communion. My question I'd love you to reflect on is this. Which part of the pray model P-R-A-Y, which part of the pray model based on the Lord's Prayer is easiest for you? And which one is most difficult for you? The beauty of prayer is that there's more to it than just the asking part, or just the honoring God part, or just the repenting of the ways you've fallen short part, just the yielding part. It's all together. It's this beautiful thing that begins to form our relationship with God deeper and deeper. So which of those four letters is the easiest for you? And which is the hardest for you? And my prayer would be that by God's grace and with God's help, you and I would continue to make steps, not just in the parts of our faith that feel comfortable, but also in the parts where we have to keep growing. I suppose that's all I meant to say today. With that, I will turn it over to Gray to lead us into reflection and communion.